for us, there was sort of this discovery that in sports, the version of that is the young athlete. And, you know, many NBA and NFL players are very young um, and, th- and they're great. And we started to actually do a lot of content around them now. But initially, our point of entry was to say, Zion Williamson, you're 17 years old. You have almost a million Instagram followers in high school. You're, you're, you're a star and all those are in Gen Z. Let's start by focusing um, on these next generation athletes. And that, and that, that helped us inform what our product would look like. And when I say our product, I mean essentially our our content network. Zach Weiner is the co-founder of Overtime. It's a cross-platform tech startup built around high school and amateur sports video and short form content, a kick-ass new media channel. The gap he and co-founder Dan Porter found and noticed in the marketplace was that legacy media business wasn't covering their peers. It was with that insight and the combination of aspirational and accessibility that Zach and Dan set forth to raise capital, tens of millions of dollars worth, NBA players, David Stern, and many other venture capitalists to break the mold. It's a can't-miss episode on the transformation of content, culture, and the youth. Please listen, because I think you'll get a feel for where media channels are going in the future, at least the successful ones. They started with basketball and have quickly moved into football, soccer, and competitive gaming. Did I mention the first day on his job, Zach was 23 years old? Thanks for listening. I have a lot of friends that are founders, and I I feel like companies get started really um, for either one of two reasons, at least in my experience. One is that someone dreams up of an amazing product, uh, and they're like, I just need to go build this, and I think that people will love it. Um, and then it's built and people love it and hopefully it's successful. And I think the other kind is where you start really with the market opportunity and sort of the macro, and then you figure out what your product is to solve that sort of macro problem or, or trend. And in our case, we, and and sometimes it's both, um, but in our case, it it was definitely the latter. Uh, I mean, so, so I, I met Dan, um, when I actually had my old company, the Sports Quotient, um, and he he was the head of digital at what is now Endeavor at the time, and and we met through a mutual entrepreneur, and the night that we met, we actually met over email. We sent you know f- fifty emails to each other mm-hmm. about about kind of the, the future of sports media, and it was pretty clear that that we were on the same page. I mean, we had some obviously unique insights each each other, but we were overall on the same page about what we thought the future of sports media could look like. And for me, like at the time I was like, damn, this old dude knows what's up. And I think he was sort of thinking this young guy knows what's up. Yeah. And, um, and, and Paul's right there because that, that's a, that's an important part of this whole thing. How old were you at that moment? So at that moment, I was 23 when okay. I met him. Awesome. Which, right. which is k- kind of crazy to think about it. And he was, I mean, I think he, he, he I think he turned 50 that year. Yep. Um, so we, we actually, this is the first year he is not double my age, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which, uh, which, which is a milestone of sorts. Awesome. Um, but so, so, so we meet over email, we, we, we sort of connect it and we're kind of coming at it from different angles because, you know, I'm kind of looking at my peers and their consumption habits and then also looking at this community that I had built um, with, with my website in college. And Dan is coming out of more of sort of an insider perspective um, where he's at the agency and he's working with all these YouTube stars and seeing kind of the rise of digital and then also being pulled into meetings with, you know, professional athletes and leagues and seeing, you know, sort of the trends there. 
And so we're attacking it from different angles, but we're seeing a lot of the same things. So um, I actually joined Endeavor to work with Dan on um, on basically, uh, to get back to sort of my original point, on this project that's very macro-based, that's trends are changing, consumption patterns are changing of Gen Z, particularly when it comes to sports, where is the opportunity, what should we create? And the, the advantage of us being able to team up, you know, initially under that Endeavor umbrella is that we got to, to test and iterate and, and try a lot of different things. And, um, you know, I, I think that really any honest entrepreneur will tell you that, especially early on, most of the things that you try don't work. Mm. And so, um, through a lot of trial and error, um, we, 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 we figured out that one of the things that could make us really unique and could really differentiate ourselves and, and really put us into the hearts and minds of young people was to cover their peers. I mean, j- just like you see in YouTube, I, I was just shown uh, a YouTube page last night uh, out at here at Web Summit and uh, combined across this, this girl's page, she has, I think, 100 million YouTube followers. She might even be bigger than PewDiePie if you add up her followers. Mm-hmm. And this, this girl, she's literally a girl. She's six years old. And, um, and, and people, I, I think, of an older generation are like, how the heck does that happen? And I'm thinking, like, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> if, I, if I'm a six-year-old kid, who do I want to watch? You know, I want to watch Sesame Street. I want to watch cartoons and stuff. But what 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 real human do I want to watch? I want to watch someone that looks and acts and talks just like me. And so for us, there was sort of this discovery that in sports, the version of that is the young athlete. And you know, many NBA and NFL players are very young, um, and th- and they're great. And we started to actually do a lot of content around them now. But initially, our point of entry was to say, Zion Williamson, you're 17 years old. You have almost a million Instagram followers in high school. You're, you're, you're a star, and all those are in Gen Z. Let's start by focusing um, on these next-generation athletes. And, that, and that, that helped us inform what our product would look like. And when I say our product, I mean uh, essentially our, our content network. Mm-hmm. And, and what's interesting also when you talk about covering your peers, you, when there wasn't that – uh, I guess ability to do so. Everything was always aspirational. You know, it was somebody older than you. So it's moment in time for you in terms of that market gap as well, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that these these athletes walk the line between aspirational and accessible. Mm. And that's what makes them so exciting. I mean, what, what they do on the court or on the field, it's, it's completely aspirational. I mean, you know, for, for probably 95% of the kids that follow overtime, whether that's on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Snapchat, wherever they're consuming our content, I would say that the kids that they're watching are aspirational. They, they want to be like them. They want to be as good at sports as those kids are. Um, but the accessible point comes in when... You, 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 you watch what they do off the court or off the field, you're like, damn. They, they, I, I remember one of the first videos we did was on a kid named Mac McClung, who when we first started covering him had, I think, 25,000 followers or something. A year later had 500, 600,000 followers, which was great. But one of the things that I think made him so likable was some of these videos that we put out where you literally got to see him in class and he was like man i don't want to fill out this worksheet and for me as like a, i was i think i was 25 at the time i was like worksheet like yeah i haven't even heard that that <laughs> term since i was in school like that's just such a such a raw just word in my mind that describes what being a student and what being a kid is like and so i think that combination of 
what Mac can do on the court. He's like one of the best dunkers of all time, even when he was in high school, combined with just he's a normal kid. Like we're, we're he's, you know, shooting the shit and he's just having fun. And I think that that combination is really powerful. Hmm. So you're, you're trialing, you're, you're making mistakes, you're learning, you're iterating, you're doing all that. And then when do you and Dan look at each other and say, hang on a second, there's a real business here that we need to go leave Endeavor and go take to market? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, the, the, the anecdote for me, and this is not, this is not exactly answering your question, but it was, it was sort of a lot of anecdotes like this. I, I was literally on the subway one time and in New York headed to our office. And I, I think this guy had like a basketball backpack. He was a, he was a kid. He was, I don't know, maybe 15 years old. And I look, I peer over to his phone and he's literally watching an overtime video. And it like dawned on me, you know, that, that, that I mean, that, that could be happenstance, but like it dawned on me like, wow, we've created something that people are actually watching and caring about. And I, I would start to show up to these games in, in, in an overtime show. I mean, we had just created a brand and I, we, we made an overtime shirt and kids started to freak out. Like they, they, they knew who we were and they knew that we were for them. And to, to, to this day, our community and the fact that people, these kids feel like they own overtime and it's theirs, mm. that that's so important. So as soon as we saw that sort of spark, um, we were like, okay, there's something here. There's a chance that we're going to be able to create a sports network that the same way that, that my parents felt about you know, ESPN back in the day, like that was their source, that, that was their outlet, that, that, that's what overtime is going to be for these next kids. Hmm. And, and then to do that and reach scale is, is it customer first? Uh, is it going and, and accessing and getting the content from every high school kid out there? Obviously, you guys started in basketball. We'll get into soccer and other stuff, but... Um, I mean, how are you guys going city to city, high school, gym to gym to build that relevance and start to get this content up on the site? Yeah. So initially we, we sort of made a mistake. Um, we, we thought that this is sort of one of the trial and error things that I talked about. We thought that there was going to be a lot of interest, um, in the long tail. And what, what I mean by that is we essentially wanted to create like a, a quote-unquote sports center for every single high school in America. We were like, oh, you, you go to this high school, why don't you see all the, all the highlights of, of your friends? And the kids will watch it and the parents will watch it. And ultimately what we realized is, honestly, nobody cared. Like w one of the pilot high schools was my high school, Stuyvesant High School in New York. And, you know, it's not the biggest school spirit in, in America, but, you know, pe pe people went to the games and stuff. And we, we would put out these videos and no one would watch it. Even the athletes themselves would be like, yeah, I know I'm not that good. Like, hmm. <laughs> there's nothing really to see here. And so what we realized was rather than trying to scale to 10,000 high schools or anything, what, what's really important is identifying those, let's say, 40 or 50 kids that are not just the best but are the most influential and are the most interesting and have the best stories. And maybe it's because they have crazy hair. Maybe it's because they're 5'8 and they're really good dribble and they're relatable or whatever it is. Let's go identify those kids and let's tell their stories. Um, and so that, that was a big turning point for us. And so instead of this idea of being truly crowdsourced, 
we decided to build this technology that basically we, we, we pay people to go to games. We pay them 40 bucks or whatever it is. We pay them to go to a game and they use our technology and the technology allows them to send us highlights of these kids in real time. So it's very purposeful. It's not happenstance when, when that we're getting these highlights. I mean, we do have kids that just will submit a crazy play that happened and we want to make sure that everyone feels like they can be on overtime. So we will accept some of those clips sometime and post them. But the heart of overtime um, is is our camera technology and being able to um, know where these kids are going to be um, and and get, capture content with them, which then allows us to say, okay, out of the kids that we're covering, these are the the ten that are really killing it. Let's now send you know now our, our production team is fifty people. We have twenty five shows. Let's go create a show around this kid, or let's insert him into one of our franchises that we have. And then the next level of that is now NBA and NFL players see those shows because these shows are targeted at young twenty year olds. So ex player in the NBA sees our show. Hey, he says, oh, I, I want to have a show like that. Now we're creating shows with those players too. So it's sort of like this this chain effect that now causes us to be, you know, the sports network, not just in high school basketball, but as you alluded to, in soccer, in football, in esports, not just for quote-unquote high school sports or the next generation of athletes, also the, the current grade athletes as well. Mm. And was, was Zion the athlete, or is there an athlete that you said took you guys on that hockey stick curve ramping up? Um, certainly Zion, uh, you know, is incredible um, and was extremely famous in high school. And, you know, he, he, he would have become famous with or without us. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely think that we, we helped, helped accelerate um, some of that. Um, and, and, and obviously he helped accelerate us. But I think that there is this perception um, that that Zion or some of these kids are, are unicorns that, like, you know, it, it was like LeBron, like, whatever, 15 years ago, and then it was Zion, and they were going to have to wait 15 years again. And in, in terms of someone that is that dominant in high school, now, granted, Zion actually wasn't even a top-ranked kid throughout high school, but in terms of someone that looks so dominant in high school, maybe we might have to wait another 15 years um, or whatever it is. But actually... In, in terms of his following, he's not a unicorn at all. In fact, there's a kid named Mikey Williams who's a freshman in high school, literally hasn't even played one game yet because the season hasn't started, and he's already passed a million followers. Zion didn't hit a million followers until he was a senior. Um, and, and there are tons of kids that I could point with that are at a million followers or close to a million followers. And so I, I think it's actually quite the opposite, that we're going to start to see the proliferation of more and more of these kids. Um, and, and, it, and it makes sense. Again, you know, if, if, if I am a 14-year-old kid and I see Mikey Williams do these amazing things, he's very relatable to me. Um, and he you know, individually has a great personality and stands for some cool things. But I just think we're going to start to see that more and more. How hard is it when you're talking to possible brand partners or others in programming to really explain kids and culture and how kids think and like and react to things. I mean, you guys hit on it from the beginning of understanding Gen Z and consumption of media sports content. But I imagine when you're talking to a CMO or somebody else who might be 40 or 50 or 60 years old, they want to believe, but it's not necessarily where they look for their own content. So just talk about teaching an older audience about teenagers. Uh, 
I, I would say that you hit the nail on the head, and that is, it, 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 honestly, David, it is both our biggest opportunity and our biggest challenge. You know, and the reason I say it's our biggest opportunity is the, the, the longer that most of most of the world and most of the industry doesn't understand the consumption patterns of Gen Z and what they what they want to watch, the the you know, not done, it's never easy, but the easier it is for us. Or, or the, the more time we have um, to literally land grab and grab every Gen Z sports fan across the globe. Like that, that, that in, in some ways, that's what's created this opportunity here. Um, the, the challenge, though, is that, of course, as you allude to, we, we don't operate um, as a completely independent Agency. I mean, we, we are an independent company, of course, but what I mean by that is we are we have to work with partners. Uh, one of the main ways we make money is with brands, as you alluded to, and so we absolutely have to articulate our value to brand partners, to investors, um, to, to, to strategic partners. And I, I would say that, that there are some folks that you know we've spoken to and ultimately don't get it, and you know I think that we just have to understand that sometimes that will happen. Um, I would say that folks that have kids. Um, particularly kids that are sports fans, it basically clicks as soon as they go home and they say, hey, I, I had a meeting with these folks Overtime. Do you know about them? And the kids, their <laughs> eyes light up and they're like, oh my God, what? You met the founder of Overtime? And they're like, can you get me a hoodie? Like, what's the next show that they're creating? Like, they have all these questions and they're like, whoa, if your brand can make my kid feel that way, I mean, like, that's the only cool thing I, I you know, I, I meet with these legacy media companies all the time, these sports media companies, and he doesn't care at all. And then I come home and I talk about Overtime and he reacts this way. Like, I, that, even though that's anecdotal, um, that honestly makes a huge difference because they can actually see it um, on a kid's face. Um, and then I would say that if they if they don't have a kid, then it's either one of two things that ultimately is going to get them to buy. And one is the data, and our engagement rates are sky high amongst Gen Z, industry leading. Our watch times are, are, are sky high. We, we we basically lead the industry in all those categories. So if they're data focused. Um, you know, they, they see those numbers and they say, wow, I don't get it, but I, I can't deny it. If I need to reach these kids, this is where I need to be. And then they start to do integrations with us and they're like, okay, this is working. I have to spend more money. So it's either that, or you have folks that are a little bit more, um, anecdotal driven. And so for instance, this morning, uh, if, if you go, if you go on our, uh, on our Instagram page, the most recent clip is a video that was submitted by a, a random kid and basically, um, it's like one of these TikTok style videos where it, it shows that he's at at his brother's like little his little brother's basketball game, um, and then like a five you know he, he's like created the situation like it's it's not actually the game but he's like it's, it's a little skit yep. and like he says like a, a, a six uh, a six eight dude walks in. And he's like, oh, shoot, I realize what's happening. And then it pans, like, his next little scene. These are, like, little two-second scenes, the way that these TikTok videos work. And the next scene is a kid in an overtime shirt and says, oh, the overtime cameraman is here. And he's like, uh-oh, I know what's about to happen. Like, my my little brother's going to get dunked on. And so, like, that, that to me is amazing because our brand is so powerful that people are creating videos about our brand. And then you click on his profile, like, we tag him. We always tag the creator or the athlete. You click on his profile and you go to his Instagram stories and he has like 60 Instagram stories, which for a normal person you're posting, whatever, three in a day. He has 60 or maybe even more. And it's because every kid is re, like repost. All of his friends are like, oh my God, my friend made overtime. My friend made overtime. My friend made overtime. And that 
that's to me is very powerful. And so literally right before this call, I was looking at the video and I took a screen recording of the whole thing. Like I took a screen recording of that video and then going to his Instagram story and seeing all of that. And so that, that, that's an example of an anecdote that I'll show to someone and be like, look, this is the type of impact that we have on kids. And I, honestly, I challenge them. I say, name another media company that you work with, that you spend money with, that you feel like has this level of compassion, sorry, not compassion, passion yep. from kids. Um, and, and you know, it's, it's pretty hard to name another company like that. I love it. And you mentioned TikTok there. I, I imagine your distribution strategy, uh, is often just dictated by what's the latest platform where your audience lives. So talk the, the balance, not I'm saying the balancing, but how you're pushing content across YouTube, Facebook, Insta, Twitter, Snap, TikTok, whatever the next one is tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, you know, for, for us, you know, we, we want to be where, where our audience is. Um, and so we're, we're obviously following those trends and that doesn't mean we're putting the same content in every single place. Cause we're, we're not, we program specifically for each platform and we have multiple channels on every single platform, whether that's by sport or our talent driven pages or, or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we saw pretty early the, the rise of TikTok, um, and we, we, we are programming specifically for TikTok, and we're by far the largest sports publisher on TikTok. Yeah. I mean, our main account already has 3 million followers. Our, our soccer account is nearing, I think, a million. Our women's basketball account has over 500,000. Um, I mean, it, it, it's really crazy uh, how fast we've taken up there. And for me, what's so exciting about that is it's really the first platform where we've where we've gotten an even start. I mean, you know, we've only been around for three years, and so you know, if you look at some of our legacy competitors, they they've been on Instagram or Snapchat or whatever basically since they've started. And so you know, the ones that are still bigger than us, not bigger by engagement, but bigger by just pure number of followers. You know, I think just a lot of that has to do with the fact that they've been on those platforms for a lot longer than we have. But with TikTok, we 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 started at the same time. Uh, and our audience came over and found us on TikTok and is watching us and we're we're bigger than every single other sports publisher, whether they're a legacy company, a startup or whatever. It is. And and how did you choose? Not not sure you even did choose soccer second, or your just your your own strategy of picking what vertical, what sport you go into next, or where you're going to devote time to. Yeah, so 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 basketball made sense to start. We started in New York City. I think that basketball very much leads into into culture, uh, and we wanted to to be about sports, but also culture. Also, I think basketball is just seen as very cool. So if you get the basketball athletes to, to mess with you, you're on to the next one. Um, our, our second sport was actually football, though. Um, and football this year in particular has been huge. We released we're, we have a show uh, a slate of five shows this fall. One with Deion Sanders and his kid. Uh, one with the school about a, a, a coach that never puns. A few a few other really cool shows. One about a twelve year old like monster kid named named Bunchy. And so um, so we, we 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 football was our second one. Um, and now third and fourth really have been soccer and esports. Um, this is term. This is bo- actually both in terms of chronology and right now in terms of current scale. Mm-hmm. That that's sort of the ordering. Um, but f- but for us, I mean, f- football was obvious. It's it's you know by still by far the biggest sport uh, you know in, in in the states. And then we we uh, for us it's all about 
audience growth and, and commanding the attention of Gen Z. So I get asked all the time, like, when are you going to go into baseball? When are you going to go into hockey? And honestly, my answer is between basketball, football, soccer, and esports, I feel like, I don't know the exact number, but I feel like I can get maybe 90 to 95% of all sports fans. I mean, if you, if you play high school baseball, you actually probably still follow overtime because you probably still like basketball or football um, or, or soon, you know, so- soccer and esports. So I, for me, we, we, we don't promise to our consumers and our audience that we're going to be comprehensive. We, we just promise we're going to give them content they love. And I feel like by doing those four, specifically international, obviously with soccer and esports uh, and, and basketball too, for that matter, we can just reach a massive amount of kids. Um, and, and that's ultimately the goal, just to have as many kids as possible, love overtime, watch our content, buy products from us, you know, view the advertising, come to our live events. Um, that, that, that's the ultimate goal, not to be a comprehensive news outlet that, you know, is, is giving you scores and stats and news on every single sport from day one. That's never what we want it to be. And are those live events that you create uh, structured more as a, a vertical and, and, or a business, excuse me, like revenue driving, or is it a promotional marketing play to drive all the other content you do? Um, it, I would say both in the sense that it's certainly meant to, to drive, to drive revenue. Um, you know, and, and that can be with, via various methods. I mean, to date, we've mostly made revenue on those by working with brands, but you know, there's also the opportunity for ticket sales. Uh, we've also sold a lot of merchandise to date at, at our live events, but it's certainly, you know, the proverbial flywheel where, you know, consumers come to your live events, they become bigger fans, they follow you on social media, then other, they tell other friends, more friends follow you. Now they're watching more content. They're buying more stuff online. Now they're coming to more live events. And, and so it, it's certainly an ecosystem. Um, but, you know, it, it, if we weren't making any money from the events or there was no, no chance to make good money from them, it would, it would obviously be a lot less appealing. Mm. And forecast for me, two years from now, five years from now, wh- what does overtime look like? I think we're the we're the biggest sports network in the world. I think that if you are a, a sports fan under, say, the age of thirty, um, globally, tr- truly globally, um, you are watching our content. We are seen as your source um, for sports content, and, and and you're watching our shows. You're spending maybe hours of your day with us. I think that there's this misperception of us sometimes that. You know, we're over oh, highlights or short form content. No, I mean that, that that is part of how we got started, and we still do that. And we found a really cheap and efficient way of gathering those highlights of these next generation kids. But really, what we are is a sports network. I mean, we have twenty five shows, and kids are watching these episodes, these fifteen to twenty minute episodes, all the way through. And so, I I, I imagine it's like a, a kid, you know, three four years from now. I, I mean, this is already happening, but I'm saying it's going to be happening globally and it's going to be happening across all these sports and it's going to be happening for hours of these kids time day they're going to they're going to sit down and on their tv or their smartphone or wherever they're watching they're going to be like damn what does overtime have for me today and they're going to watch you know four episodes of 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 various shows and they're going to be like wow that that shirt and that and that content was dope oh i heard they're doing a live event in my city soon um and they're going to feel like they are a part of overtime and that that we are for them And that's The Bond. Thanks for listening.